Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Forecast is provided by Cashfly at C A C H E F L Y dot com. This episode of Forecast is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to squarespace.com slash forecast. What sort of future do you think we're heading for? How will we live as we slip into the 21st century? Welcome to Forecast, episode 73. I'm Tom Merritt. And I'm Scott Johnson. And this is the show where we get some guests together and uh, talk about the future. We've had philosophers, we've had scientists, we've had technologists, but we haven't had enough damn musicians. Oh my gosh, do I agree with that. We need more. We had, we, a very long time ago, we had, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, so I'm well, just going to no, call No, we had him. Jonathan Colton and MC Frontalot. MC Frontalot, who I almost called Samson Singalot, and that wouldn't have been correct. That's not his name. <laughs> no. No, but, not uh, even close. They were great, and we need, and I said that day, man, I hope this is a trend, and since then, we've been mighty shy no. of the musicians talking. So, uh, we got some nerdcore awesomeness in the house today, uh, joining us. Mr. Dale Chase, a.k.a. Dr. Jeff Coat, musician, audio cat, coding enthusiast, and doesn't put ketchup on a burger unless it really needs it. We respect that about him. <laughs> what is up, gentlemen? It's Glad good. to be here. Ah, it's good to have you on the show, Dale. I'm sorry we couldn't have timed it better because you were actually here in the studio uh, last week, right? Yeah, yeah, I was actually just visiting the area, um, doing the Hack Five Season Nine party, and just turning it into just a trip. You know, we should have, you know, we should have, we should have. Uh, I should have planned it better. I should have realized what was going on. But anyway, I'm glad. I'm glad you were able to be with us on Skype today. Also joining us, who was also at the Hack Five party in eighty or just eighty? Can we call you eighty? Absolutely. Uh, you are a computer programmer, and of course, known as half of Dual Core. Would that yes, make you a core? <laughs> Single uh, I'm, yeah, but I'm multi-threaded. That's good. Okay, yeah. Well, no, it's a, that's important. Uh, welcome to the show. Of course, you can find uh, Dale at twitter.com slash daleochase or dalechase.com. You can find it 80 at dualcoremusic.com. Uh, and we are ready to do some predicting. We've got a, an email from one of our listeners to start us off here, and I'm, I'm particularly interested in everyone's opinion on this. I think this is an eternal issue uh, for the future that we don't hear discussed enough. Jordan from o Idaho, uh, who points out that Idaho borders Utah. Does that make it a Utah connection, Scott? It's a bit of a Utah connection, Tom. We should all pause for a moment. Moment yes. of silence for Idaho. Represent up there. Right. Jordan from Idaho says, good morning, forecast crew. Toilet paper has to go. Seriously, the technology and things we can do are amazing right now. Why do I have to clean myself with wadded up paper? I don't know what the solution is, but there has to be something better and fast. Mm. I, I have input on that. Good. What is your input? They've actually solved this problem uh, thousands of years ago in Persia, and they don't use toilet paper there. They just use water in the left hand. I, I've heard of this. <laughs> I'm skeptical that it will catch on. I'm, I'm, gonna I'm keep, just saying. I'm going to keep my little emergency roll right here. <laughs> I'm not gonna go for that. But so let me let me get this straight. Assuming that this is true, why the left hand? Because uh, you I shake with your right, you eat with your right. 
Yeah, unless oh, you're left-handed, right. then you would probably want to use your right hand. But then you still shake with your right, even if you're left-handed. So that kind of sucks for you if you're left-handed. <laughs> kind of sucks all around. <laughs> I I was hoping the Japanese that you were going to say the Japanese have solved this because they are the the uh, pioneers in toilet technology. Mm. Well, they do have uh, like the hand dryers that are just like really high pressure air, like the the jets of air. So maybe one day that'll be applied to the other end of the body. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it may be. <laughs> Somebody's on this. I mean, we do have this in sci-fi. What was a demolition man? They got it. They got it in demolition man with the shells. They never did shells. actually explain what that technology was. I don't think. Oh well, that. But see, that requires Taco Bell to be the restaurant of the future, and that. <laughs> I mean, obviously, shells, right? I don't know obviously. if you've paid in, uh, close enough attention, but more and more of Demolition Man becomes true all the time. <laughs> I know. Uh, so, so that may that may be your your answer, Jordan. Look for the three seashells. <laughs> In the future, and uh, and then you will know salvation is finally at hand. Uh, if you would like to send us your predictions like Jordan did, or maybe not so much like Jordan did, send them to forecastpodcast at gmail.com, or you can post them up at our blog, forecastpodcast.com. All right, let's get to some uh, real predicting. Uh, we're going to start uh, with our short-term predictions, and Dale, we'll, we'll start with you. These are things you think will happen sooner rather than later. What's your first prediction for us this evening? Um, I think we're about to see a, a big uptick in people looking online for uh, their um, education um, with the, the rising cost and, you know, with the uh, monetary situation the way it is. And uh, I think also with the stigma of like online dating kind of going to the wayside, I think we'll start to see um, more people like accepting online courses and tutorials and, uh, and, and the uh, and the institutions that are respected will go online more and start offering their things online. So will it be less, it's not going to necessarily be that computers are going to teach us. Basically, this, this still involves, you know, institutional learning. It's still going to involve, you know, here, for example, the University of Utah has a really good outreach program where you can do a lot of remote courses and stuff. And, they, and we need them to do that because we need, you know, people in the know, we need professors who know the material, and we need people to kind of stand there and do it. You don't see a future where computers have become, and certainly not in the short term, but where computers become so smart that they are now trying to teach us human values, business values, the things that, you know, we typically learn in college. I can see that happening further down the line. Um, mm. But in the next five years or so, I see, you know, even not that there will be a lot of high quality like tutorials online, you know, that you'll find on YouTube. But they'll be out there. There'll be some really high-quality courses out there that people can gravitate towards. I think there already are uh, quite a few. Uh, in fact, there's there's a few that are being kicked off that aren't even necessarily for credit. Uh, you get a lot of universities putting course materials up saying, you know what, if you, if you don't want to pay for the education, you can just audit our course, listen to the lectures, hear the course materials, study at your own pace for your own edification. And there's even, uh, I can't remember the name of it right now. I've been trying to look it up here. But there is there's, a there's a university that's coalescing around that idea of like, you study to learn something, not to get a stamp of approval. And, and so they're, they're focusing on the actual knowledge itself. Sure, the Stanford courses, um, the computer uh, methodology, the computer, the methodology, methodology courses that they offer on there. Um, but I mean, like a, a large number of people actually gravitating towards these things, like you'll start to see. Yeah, so in other words, not just offerings, but but large yeah, numbers right. of, of people going that way uh, to attend right. so they can get the best classes 
without having to to pick a particular location. I think that's great. It's it's also seems like this is um, this is good for more than just because you're going to always have you know a 18, 19 year old kid that wants to get out of the house and go to Duke and get away from everybody and find themselves over four years and you know have lots of majors and eventually graduate and all these things that seem to be you know ingrained tradition in in, in higher education. Where it seems like this would be a great application are things like for my mom, and I don't mean you know learn how to use Microsoft Office kind of courses, but I mean you know genuinely being able to do things that 20 years ago she would have had to have gone back to school, sacrificed family or job or whatever to do it, and you know would have been a lot sort of uh, for lack of a better term a lot more inconvenient than it would be now for her to take these online courses. She still have coursework to keep up. She'd have a, time, a schedule to keep. And all of that, but she would she'd be much uh, more readily exposed to the things that she wanted to to take, and I think that's great because, like Tom said, the idea of you know education being more about uh, more about what I'm learning from this course rather than this is just another step to this stamp of approval that I need to get that job I want. Um, I like that. I'm I'm all for that sort of thing, and that'll just sort of help you know keep educational standards. I hope higher than they would be normally, and you know. Uh, we would benefit as a as a country and a world as a result. So I like your prediction. Yeah. One of the ones I'm trying to I, w- I was trying to remember was cnx.org. It's called Connections, uh, and it is it is just an open source course materials uh, place where you can go and you know, for instance, right now, calculating basic statistical procedure is right there alongside sound reasoning, advanced algebra two. Uh, and it's all run uh, under the auspices of Rice University, but it, it's an open university that you can you can take advantage of at no cost uh, whenever you want to. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, really cool. And, there, and there's a lot of other things like this being done. But I, I, I like where you're going, saying it's not just that they'll be offered. There, people will be, this will become the norm for taking classes. And, and you mentioned online dating as sort of a precursor to that, because that's the real reason most people go to college. <laughs> um, I'm wondering, uh, AD, if there are there any other campus activities you could see migrating online. Uh, I don't. I see. I don't see why we couldn't do like rap shows. You know, like online simulcast that. Like Dale Chase hop on Skype and you know start lay down some fat beats and fat rhymes, and you could have kids at their own houses or apartments or whatever enjoying that without having to be all packed into one fire trap, one death trap of an apartment o- overloaded with kegs and beer. <laughs> That's right. Nice. Beer, virtual beer pong. You could do some kind of graphical <laughs> overlay. Yeah, there's there's stuff to this. You could actually mimic a lot of what's happening and do it from the comfort of your parents' basement. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, and then if you apply like additional technologies, like say augmented reality, right? So you have like um, an app that everybody has, and we all say like, I'm going to join this party. Like I'm going to the the dual core Dale Chase virtual Skype party. And everybody holds up their augmented reality app with with GPS. Like maybe you could see like other people that are at the party with the two way camera on the phone. That's true. You could Even all be the, in the same room, so to speak. Right. Exactly. Even though the physical location is different. I think uh, I as pointed out the drinking would be one of the more difficult ones <laughs> to move entirely online. Oh, the, Wait, the beer not everybody part of drinks beer alone. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, 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 that, yes, but, but, but you still have to do it physically. You know, you, you, there's not really an online equivalent for that yet. I'm sure there's right. something that could just stimulate your neurons directly and kill them for you, kind of cutting out the middleman, make you feel like you were tasting a beer. <laughs> also, I'll add in on the academic side of things, um, you know, like 
having everything submitted digitally could make proof checking and plagiarism checking uh, much more faster. You can write applications to verify, you know, is this is this submission, whether it be like an essay, a paper, uh, source code, whatever, is it unique? You know, did the person actually create it or was it copied off of, you know, Wikipedia was it copied off of some other site? You can do that very quickly when everything's digital. And then there'll be tons of people hacking the hashes of their papers so that they, <laughs> they don't match when they go through the plagiarism check. Yeah. Right, yeah, they so then will. iBot would replace, do words, uh, lookups, you know, yeah. on a thesaurus automatically for you. <laughs> exactly. All right, Eddie, let's move over to you. Uh, your short-term prediction in the near-term future, what do you see? Uh, I have a pretty brief one, but I think um, in the, in the near-term future, you will see piracy grow and the music industry grow. Because they are, uh, they actually feed, your, your theory being they would actually feed off each other, it sounds like. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think uh, an increase in piracy grows an increase in sales. You know, like you get exposure to new artists, you like their music, so you buy it. If you don't like them, um, you still pirated them, but you don't buy their music and you don't listen to it anymore. Uh, so it's a bit like, you know what, this is the troll theory. Um, just talking about this with some community members the other day, uh, some, some Frog Pants listeners, and they were talking about, you know, how do you deal with an increase of troll activity on your forums or on your blog posts or whatever? And we basically, a few of us came to the conclusion that that's a sign that you are uh, sort of doing well. And I think you could extend that to when, when a lot of freeloaders are really interested in the work you're producing, uh, there's, a, there's a, <clears throat> a similar percentage growth in legitimate buying customers that, have also, uh, you know, that are also interested. So I, I, I agree with you. And I don't necessarily think the two sides are talking ever. Like, in other words, I don't think it's like, oh, what are my pirate friends doing? Okay, yes, I'm very interested in that music. I'll pay for it now. I don't think that's happening. What I think is happening is they're just in parallel with each other. And the guys who pirate are pirating away. And it's getting more and more for some hot new artists coming up. And, you know, Arcade Fire is getting pirated all over the place now. But their record sales are way up, too. So um, I don't think that they those, those two groups don't really hang out. But they basically are both indicators of strong market value for somebody or for an artist. Yeah, I, I don't think it's always just the troll factor. I think that's true. But I, I think also uh, the, the idea that folks only steal or pay and they never do both is oh, not only oversimplistic, I think it's idiotic. I think a lot of folks who download music illegally don't do it because they think about it illegally or because they really want to stick it to the man. They do it because they're cash-strapped, uh, and they will spend money on that act in other ways if it's made available to them by going and seeing a show, by buying some merchandise, uh, maybe by buying a CD because it includes something that's, that's uh, an extra value to them to own the physical box, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, we have people come to our shows and every show I've played in the past year, at least, somebody has come up and given us money and said, you know, I really like your music a lot. And I'm trying to figure out which CD they want to buy because they haven't said, you know, I want Next Level or I want this album. And they're just like, no, I've already pirated your music. I really like it. So I want to pay you for it. And so that like there it is. Exactly. Yeah, I think they were just, they were getting your music in the way they get all music. And then they decided, well, I want to support this guy. I like what he does. Dale, have you run into so, any similar sorts of things? Yeah, I had just that thing happened to me last year, uh, attending um, an amazing uh, festival called Nerdapalooza for the first time in Orlando last year. And uh, yeah, I happened to run into uh, someone who really dug my music, like on my way to the hotel and he just like was like giving me 20 bucks or something like that and i'm like dude keep your money i'm giving my music away for free right now so it's all good but i really appreciate the, the sentiment 
Well, and that's a good point. I think both you guys give give away music for free on the premise that you want to get your name out there, and, and piracy isn't piracy. It's not a bad thing. It's just an incredible distribution mechanism for getting people familiar with your music. We actually um, switched that uh, model, if you will. Um, we give our shows away for free and uh -huh. then sell our music. Um, and so I, I know, like, me personally, like, I'm not a T-shirt artist. We do have dual-core T-shirts, but I'm, you know, like, I'm not a, a sticker artist. I'm not a merch guy. Like, I just like to make rap music. So we sell our music, but then we don't charge people to come play shows. We just want to get our costs covered and then sell our music and have fun. Um, now, so we kind of... Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, in, in, a, in a world where it's easy to get the music for free, uh, how do you make it worthwhile for people to pay for the music? Make good music and uh, always put out good shows as long as you can. And that way uh, you get good promotion. It's like organic marketing, which is the only type that I understand. You know, So if your friend tells you, hey, check out Dual Core, these guys are awesome, you're already going to go into it you know, expecting good things and, and uh, be, being excited about it. And so it that, just kind of grows that way. That builds a lot of um, sort of community uh, trust as well, doesn't it? Or do you find that, the, that being able to be doing consistent shows and having consistent quality and then coming and be able to buy their music if they want does that build collateral with your fans and kind of pay off later for you guys? Absolutely for me. Um, I mean, we've started out just in my basement with uh, random beats off the internet from my producer. And now we get to play almost every weekend and we showcase at South by Southwest. I've gotten to hang out with Tom twice, which has been awesome. And uh, it's, it, everything has grown for us, but just on that model and that approach. Yeah, I think a lot um, of people don't think that, you know, well, you've got to choose one way or the other. You either give the music away uh, or you try to lock it down and stop everyone from stealing it. Uh, and, what, and what you're describing is a situation where if you make good music and you have good relationships with your audience, they'll want to buy it because they'll want to support you. Yep, I, I totally agree. It's kind of like um, everybody is in the, in the mix with us on, on this, which is pretty cool. I mean, I can't, I can't think of any other genre or any other artist that I've met personally where they have that type of close-knit relationship with their fans. Like, you know, we're, we're all in the same boat together pretty much. Do you think that that can last long-term, that you can keep, keep making the music for a long time with that model? Or do you think it'll sputter out and you'll have to try new ways of, of approaching it? I don't know. Maybe we could throw that in a prediction in the, uh, what happens in the next hundred years. No, Our, I don't know. I don't yeah. know, to be honest. Uh, I, I think it's sustainable. I think um, yeah, if you just continue to turn out good record after good record, and uh, your, your fan base will continue to grow. And I think, uh, I mean, that's, that's what I believe. And uh, I mean, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> there's hope, there's belief, and then there's predicting. So let's get back to the predicting. Uh, Long-term <laughs> predictions, 80, uh, we'll stick with you. These are the more, you know, in a hundred years sort of situation. Uh, what are you thinking? Uh, okay, so for this one, um, I think in the next 100 years, uh, you'll see a proxy war fight, fought entirely through software. Whoa. So you're saying, hold on a minute, let me back this up. A piracy war fought entirely through software. No, a, pro not a proxy oh. war, he said. A proxy oh, you said war. proxy. Like, All right, lagged out. Yeah, and it like, so like for a example, piracy war. like we fought a proxy war with the Soviets, right? We, we helped the Taliban, like, oust uh, the Soviets out of Afghanistan. So we, you know, indirectly went to war with the USSR, but we weren't directly at war with them. So that's, that's a proxy war. So t tell me a little bit more about how this might uh, appear 
So, because that's a good explanation. Afghanistan, where we were sort of supporting two sides within Afghanistan in the 80s. Soviets were backing one side. The U.S. were backing another. But the U.S. and the Soviets weren't directly fighting against each other. What 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 are the analogs, uh, or, or digitals in this case, uh, <laughs> of the software in in that situation? Who's on what side, and and what? How is software used as a proxy? Well, so uh, cyber is like the big buzzword right now inside the in, and outside of the DoD, um, and so uh, you can you can. It's been seen that you can augment your military capabilities through software. If you look at um, the South Georgian conflict, South Ossetia, two thousand eight, like Russia uh, did a DDoS, took down all of Georgia's communication infrastructure. This is all you know technology based, and then rolled in with their actual military hardware. And it um, minimized like bloodshed and casualties in that region when when that event happened. Um, so what I'm saying is like you can have an event like that, uh, or what I'm thinking is you could have an event like that, particularly um, where you know so you have a conflict, but no military exchanges actually take take place. And the closest thing we've had to that right now is uh, Stuxnet. If you guys have seen that at all, yeah. So uh, in Stuxnet, uh, software was sent out onto the internet and targeted, uh, at least we think it was targeted, against nuclear reactors in Iran and was able to disable them by infecting the firmware, right? That's correct. So um, it, according to a New York Times uh, article, um, the IDF actually, Israel actually asked the U.S. If, they, if we would back a military strike against the nuclear facilities in Iran, and at the time the U.S. declined. Um, and the whole point of that was to set back Iranian nuclear capabilities. Um, and now with Stuxnet, the Iranian nuclear capabilities have been set back to what people are claiming is 2015, um, but you did that all through software. Now, we're not really fighting like a, a war. That's just kind of like a, a random event that happened. But if you were to have some other situation develop, um, the one that I always think of is probably Taiwan, right? Like Taiwan has always been this uh, intermediate contested area of sorts. Um, and so you have like China on one side and you have the U.S. on the other. And uh, there's a lot of economic stuff at stake with Taiwan. Um, and potentially you might, you know, that could be like a, the location of a, a showdown or a proxy war at some point that's fought entirely by software. No missiles are traded. No explosions happen or anything like that. But it's it's all code. That so is in that in that case, you're basically just it's it's all about who has the best hackers, who has the the the, uh, the best knowledge base and essentially just blackmail i mean it's a it's a war of blackmail right you're like well all right we're going to shut down you know here in china we now have the best hackers in the world and we've got it so that we are they are hanging by a thread there in taiwan and we can cut that thread any second and you know it because you're almost as smart as us hackers can see that we can do it and they can't quite you know get the upper hand it, it, it sounds like it's just a game of of you know blackmail to me yeah or, or cat and mouse or i mean it, and it could play out differently like um, it's known that uh, Chinese IP addresses, so I won't say, you know, like Chinese government or state-based hackers, but Chinese IP addresses are constantly out scanning on the internet, compromising systems, and breaking into places. So maybe like a U.S. strategy might be to say, like, we're going to pinpoint, like, uh, we're going to go for quality, right? We're going to take out, like, routers at certain aspects of, uh, or certain hops in the internet to cut internet connectivity, whereas China might say, like, well, we've got you know, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions systems that belong to us out on the internet, and we're just going to flood. Um, so it, it could be more than just a, a specific targeted blackmail thing. But um, yeah, in either way, like you can you can inflict damage on the other side or 
or you know influence the other side uh but all through just software without ever having to risk human life or bloodshed or anything like that taiwan's an interesting uh interesting choice for this because for many reasons if people don't realize china the the people's republic of china uh believes and, and asserts that Taiwan is part of China and that it has never separated from China, although that's where the nationalists went in the 50s uh, during the revolution. Taiwan itself is pushing to be recognized as an independent nation, but it's in this quasi-situation because countries like the United States want to maintain good relations with China, so they won't outright back Taiwanese independence, but at the same time, they stop short of admitting that Taiwan is part of China. Uh, so, so you get these sort of weird things at the Olympics where they don't get to have their own flag and, and, and strange things like that. And then, and you mentioned, uh, that, you know, that gives another name to this idea of proxy war is that people, you know, they proxy their connections through lots of different areas. And China is a, is a constant source of that. Chinese IP addresses are constantly implicated and we don't know if the attacks actually originated within China or they came from somewhere else. So I could see Taiwan becoming a battleground because China's targeting that, then taking their hands off and saying, no, it wasn't us. Somebody just used, used IP addresses as a proxy. Uh, and then the United States starts going after Chinese interests over the United States and says, hey, I don't know who it was either. Those IP addresses are also in China because we routed through there as well. I mean, that's that's just a fascinating way that this that a battleground could take place. And it's not even just about blackmail. It's a, it's about influence. It's about trying to push people to finally come to a negotiating table or kind of come to an agreement and say, OK, we, we give. Yeah, I I don't know. This kind of this idea is really fascinating to me as a sci-fi fan, and I love stories about this kind of thing, and how it plays out in in real life. Uh, you know, I, I start to get a little crazy in my imagination, but I you basically could do what a war does. You could, if you could shut down the infrastructure of a of a you know geographic area or something effectively with either you know using using data corruption or something to shut down power to shut down services to to you know change financial markets or whatever you basically could plunge entire regions into you know effective poverty and do what you would do in a normal war without the blood and the guts but you would still sort of do the long term long burn of war the things that last forever and cause the most damage to collective psyche and individuals and uh it's a that's a scary scary thing to me i love the science fiction side of it but and the real life side of it is is freaky Dale, what do you think of this idea of proxy wars being fought through the onion router? <laughs> I think it's com I think it's completely plausible, and um, I think it could happen sooner than later. I mean, I mean, you already see you know, instances of this happening, you know, with uh, corporations and uh, these uh, you know independent groups. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think there's all we we could probably spend the rest of the show just talking about the various ways this could play out. But we should probably move on uh, to your long-term prediction, Dale. Things that uh, you see in the in the more of the hundred-year time frame, without any particular restriction on time, though. Uh, what do you got? Um, <laughs> this could this could double as my crazy, but uh, I think uh, we'll have a full understanding of the human brain and its electrical impulses. And uh, I will finally, you know, receive something I can put on my head and make beats with my mind. <laughs> Man, I've been wanting this for writing, uh, you know, for forever. The idea that I could just sit there and think about what I want to show up on the page and it would show up on the page. 
No, we yeah, I think everybody, in, everybody in a creative field goes through this. If it's in music, if it's art, if it's writing, it's whatever. And I, man, if I could, I get, I mean, people get writer's block. I get artist block constantly when I'm trying to do something for somebody. And if I could just get in there, I know the right things in there. I just need the right piece of hardware to sort of stimulate the piece of the brain that I need to, to get that thing out. But then again, with this, so Dell, here's a question for you. Does this take away too much of the... You know, is, isn't inspiration and genius that thing that is so hard to find and you, we end up cutting our ears off, we're so crazy about it, but eventually it comes out and we don't wanna, we don't wanna lose that, do we? Well, no, I mean, this will totally make things better. I mean, the way it works for me is sometimes it's like, you know, I'll just be walking down the street and you know, mel a melody will come into my head, you know, and so like the music is already there. It's just a, an easier input interface, you know, from me to whatever, you know, um, software I'm using or whatever, you know, so it's just, I can just think of the kick drum and it's there. I don't have to go looking for it in my sound catalog, you know, it's already in my head. I think that's in the next GarageBand release for iPad. <laughs> <laughs> it's magical, Tom. But you had to pay another $49 for the add-on to your brain. <laughs> Uh, it's a pretty cool way. I mean, if you think about it, uh, it works for a lot of other other things. But with sound specifically, certainly we should get to the point, I think, sooner than later, that our brains can take something that you are you're really hearing it. You know, it's not just imaginary. You're you you are maybe artificially, but and, and through memory and other things. But you're hearing a beat, and there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to interface it with that and shoot that out as a loop. And bam, there's your drum loop, and you're done. So, yeah, exactly. I agree with you. That'd be, that would be really cool for musicians, for sure. Eighty, would you want this? Would you want the ability to just think your song and then have it mixed down? Well, I already kind of do that with freestyling, um, but I would totally take one of these and I'd take a second one and reverse it so that that way I can do, like, the Matrix and be like, I know Kung Fu or, you know, I know how to do something immediately from reading it or, or being fed in some kind of data file. So wait, you'd, you'd want to take a second one and then end up on the receiving end? Right, exactly. You know, like you could just, you could just give me a file and be like, okay, so it's like right now I can't make beats at all. Like I can, I can write raps and I can rap and I can make rap songs, but like I can't make beats. But like if you, you know, reverse that and you're like, okay, here's Dale Chase's data file for how he makes beats. And then you could load that into my brain and then I could make beats like Dale Chase. That would be awesome. I'd take one of those in a heartbeat. Well, uh, uh, dstu99 in the chat room has a really good point. Says, think what you could do for people with uh, different impairments. And he's right. Think what you could do for people who are deaf or blind or, or uh, you know, just have impaired function of any kind. You could, uh, this could really, you know, benefit them in, in, in major ways. We'd be able to get things out of, I mean, we're already getting great things out of Stephen Hawking. Just imagine what else we could get out of him, you know, if he could, if he had a device like this. We would really narrow the gap between you know, fully quote unquote functioning human beings and those who, you know, have the, the misfortune of having something wrong. And uh, this could be a great equalizer uh, in that way as well. And, and it's not actually not, and Dale, you said it would might've be a crazy prediction, but it's not that far off. They're making huge advances in the ability to control cursors with your mind and, and being able to, to take advantage of electrical impulses in the brain to, con to control prosthetics. Uh, so, you know, when you're talking a hundred years, if it almost feels like, well, we better have the ability to do this by then. I mean, that just seems to be the natural progression of it. Yeah, yeah. I really hope, uh, I mean, you know, I, I like the idea of helping folks, you know, have impairments. But, you know, I want to get some bangers out there, man.
You're, so you're, you're pre-ordering. <laughs> and and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be selling my profile for a pretty penny, just so you know, eighty. All right. Well, I'm pirating it off the pirate bay. <laughs> I was gonna say I can I, I I can give you a torrent. Don't worry. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, I I totally agree with you, Tom. Um, in the sense that, like, they have the you know the the uh, monkeys that can control the cursors and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, Scott, we have like the um. Like we have cochlear implants now, they're doing like retinal implants where they think they'll cure blindness in the next decade. But like, I don't know if they'll have the hundred the human brain mapped out a hundred percent because it's so they hard actually to do have this, they so. actually have a human uh, who's been using an implant to be able to control a cursor to on a, on a screen for over a thousand days. There was just a report last week uh, that, oh, that that the implant is actually holding up enough. It's very simple. I mean, it's able to you're able to just click on one thing or another. It's not as advanced as we need it to be, but it's a big advance. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even realize that they had that for humans. I just remember reading about it for monkeys when I, back when I was in college. Yeah. But like the, the thing that I think is a, the big challenge is that like you, you can't really do much ex experimenting with a human brain because the person has to be alive. And once you get in there, they start messing with things. It's not like if you gash your arm open, you know, you can easily poke around in your arm to see what, what else going on in there. No, it's painful to do that. <laughs> it's really hard to see. It's really hard to concentrate. Speaking on experience or? I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, let's take a, uh, a quick break. Uh, and if, if you're thinking, you know what? Rather than poke my own arm open and look at what's in there, maybe I should just start a blog that collects information about what's inside the human arm. Or maybe you're inspired by all this talk and you're like, I, I want to I start a blog that covers this stuff and all the advances in brain control and, and, and wireless control from our minds. You can do that at our sponsor, squarespace.com. It's an easy way to start a blog. You can start one right now. In fact, I challenge you to do it. Uh, if, if you're, maybe you just want to be a fan of, of Dale Chase or Dual Core and, yeah, and you want to start a fan site, do it. Squarespace.com slash forecast. It's a 14-day free trial. You don't need a credit card to set it up and you'll see how easy it is to start your own blog or website. They've got CSS templates. You can go in and tweak them if you want or you don't have to. They're beautiful. You can just use them the way they are and plug in some Flickr pictures, some Twitter Put in a few other plugins. Uh, maybe make a form. You want to collect addresses for the fan club. Uh, it's you can do whatever you want. I mean, I'm, I'm giving you the simplest example. Uh, you probably have a much better idea for a website. So go try it out. Squarespace.com/forecast. F-O-U-R-C-A-S-T. Uh, you'll see how easy it is to get up and running with a website today. And then once it becomes hugely popular, it'll it'll hold up to those exa floods of traffic you're going to get uh, because they scale to your traffic. If you're hosting it yourself, you got to do that yourself. And maybe you're into that, right? Then there's no shame in that. But if you're not, if you're like, really, I just, I just want it to stay up, squarespace.com slash forecast. We thank them for their support. Let's move on to our crazy-ass predictions. Uh, and, and, and so we decided that Dale's crazy-ass prediction wasn't really that crazy. Uh, so, so let's see what is. Dale, what, what is your uh, really far-out forecast? I think we'll uh, finally have an understanding of the fourth dimension. Whoa, that is crazy ass. Now, fourth dimension in space <laughs> or fourth dimension in time? Fourth dimension in space. Ah, okay. So, so not, not, not that cheating of like, well, time is the fourth dimension and I'm moving through it right now. But you're saying oh, like, yeah, we'll, no. we'll, we'll actually the, wrap our heads around flatland, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it be parallel or you know, how, however we figure out exactly what it is and the nature of it, but we will have an understanding of it. Do you have a prediction as to whether or not, like, are you going to get over there, and do you think you'll find 
goatee Dale and he's carrying a gun or <laughs> like what do you, what do you, not what do you alternate think universes <laughs> where I don't have I a beard. It's all I can think of, but we have to, I mean, yeah, from the human perspective, we have to know, we have to kind of guess what we're going to see, right? I'm well, that's like saying, I'm going to go to the third dimension now. <laughs> see you later. No, no, it's, I, I, it's, the four, it's the fourth dimension. It's like being able to, like, just pop into your upstairs room by, like, leaning rather than, than walking up the stairs and going through all that third dimension crap. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, what Scott ha Scott's, you know, got the reference that we could ca all can pull from. And so, I mean, I don't know whether it's you, your take on it, Tom, or or, or the the classic take on it. Uh, but um, but yeah, I, I mean, I I was actually leading towards actually Scott's, you know, parallel actually. So. All right, this is definitely more fun. <laughs> it's easier to well, get upstairs in mine. I don't know, Daryl. Dale's packing heat in that dimension. I don't know if I want to go there, but but it, but I like. I've always liked the idea that there is something right. Like, I, there's a version of me sitting here right now, and the only difference between me and him is he's wearing pants and I'm not. I'm wearing shorts, as I should probably explain. <laughs> but then there's, at the same time, there's another version of me sitting here right now that his arm isn't in the air. It's down here, but everything else is exactly the same. And that there's infinite numbers of these things going on all the time. I mean, is that the world you think we'll poke a hole through finally and see and then be blinded from our madness after seeing it? I mean, from all the theory that I've heard, I mean, that really makes sense to me because if you talk, if you think about, um, well, no, no, now, now I'm getting, now I'm getting uh, away from myself now. Um, yeah, I, that's what this show's about. Don't let that stop you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, now I'm getting away from uh, uh, now dimensions, and I'm thinking universes now. So <laughs> we can we um, can go into alternate universes. Nothing's stopping us. Well, yeah, Except yeah. Physics. So, so my so my Except thought, everything. you know. So in that training, you know, my thought was, you know, there, there being, you know, this being such a perfect universe for everything happening the way it did, you know, there has to be so many other versions that things didn't go that perfect or they're very different, you know, in some way. So um, that, that theory kind of makes sense to me. And there's another universe where I said that it was like the alternate universe with the beards and Scott corrected me and said, no, 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 it's, it's the other dimension. Like you go upstairs with leaning. Yeah, exactly. Leaning. Yeah, you're kind like of in camera, a, like if you're looking camera at, angle. If you're looking at the video version of Scott, he's he's, he's kind of right he's kind of all halfway to that next dimension. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I this is kind of cool. So, eighty, where do you where do you stand on, you know, these kinds of ideas of breaking into a place where either we have goatees or if the fourth dimension is some kind of weird thing we can't even possibly fathom like right now, like Tom's saying, what do you see on the other side of that curtain? Well, I like the idea of being able to lean into another spot, right? So I can play the Hack 5 show in San Francisco, then I can step into the bathroom and play the DotCon after party in Chicago, and then I can step out the door into the Noticon after party in Cleveland. Spoken like a man who travels be, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I overflow integers on my frequent flyer miles. Um, but, you know, I like that one a lot. I don't so much like the infinite universe one because that means somewhere there's an infinite or one of those infinite universes, there's a universe where Dale Chase doesn't make beats. And there's, an, there's a universe where Int80 doesn't rap. There's a universe without four dual core albums, you know. So I, I don't know that I like that one. But I guess if there's a universe with like six dual core albums or like two Dale Chases that make beats, that, I might be okay with that. Dale Quad Chase, core. Siamese Twins. <laughs> they both make beats. <laughs> be a quad core, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, right. 
Right. There's, <laughs> and, there's my computer joke about that. And platinum albums. <laughs> and, and, and in one of those universes, Dale is the only one who has facial hair. Right. Whoa. It's just a weird... He's sporting a big beard. Yeah. Yeah. I, and a... If this ever happens, I mean, how will we even know that someone does? Because let's say, Dale, you get over there and you realize, oh... There's a version of me with a goatee. I can't wait to get back and tell everybody. You come back and we just go, you're crazy. What are you talking about? And you can't reproduce it. And this is the problem. Well, <clears throat> Everyone will just think you're nuts and burn you at the stake. Well, no, it, <laughs> no, our scientists will have figured it out. We'll have a, a complete understanding of how it works. Yeah, you'll buy a, you'll buy a Ford that'll take you there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The new Ford. I do like Ford. the episode of Futurama where they have the boxes and they all keep going into the boxes into the different parallel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that one too. All right, eighty. Let's uh, go to your crazy ass prediction. One really far far out there uh, forecast time frame. Doesn't matter what you got for us. Well, it's not it's not nearly as crazy as Dale's, um, but it doesn't it does involve space. So uh, shout outs to my friend Whitey Cracker. Um, but my uh, crazy far out prediction was that we will. Uh, land a rover and find water on Gleesey or Gleese 581G. Nice. Wow. Prediction. I, I, liquid water, I should state. So, uh, and this, like we said, it's without time frame. So, it, you know, we, we got time to figure out how to get us there. Uh, but you're saying when we find, we, we land there, we find water and then we could settle there because there's water. Well, yeah, potentially. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, the coolest achievement in doing that would be making a propulsion system that gets the rover there, like, in a relatively quick time frame. Because mm -hmm. I think that planet's like 20 or 21 light years away. So it's like, you know, if you can get uh, the rover there at close to light speed, like, that seems pretty achievable in yeah. my head. Like, not really a, a crazy assertion. I mean, right now it would be. but Even at I half light speed, you could get there in 40 years, which is, right, yeah. you know, it's, it's not crazy but then it's like as far as like transporting like life there I, I don't know about that one i don't i don't know if the human body like it might be too many g's you know too many wi-fi's mm. and too many gb's we could just start mining it and have it bring back water so it, <laughs> you know in a hundred years when it gets back on the return trip and we've used up all the water we're like oh thank goodness <laughs> yeah, I got the 581G bottled water. Yeah, that's what they drink in the in the high high class clubs. It's <laughs> instead of glacial, it's glacial. Yeah. So you, you 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 bringing up this water issue <clears throat> is topical. I heard something on NPR today about uh, an author who wrote a book called Infinite Thirst or something like that, and they were talking about the state of water today and how it's going to be a real problem soon. In this show, we've talked a lot about water shortages before, so this is nothing new, but. Um, the, the thing he kept coming to, the, the bottom line was, we have the same amount of water potential here that we've ever had, that we have, we're still drinking and regurgitating and recycling the same water we've had for the last 4 million years or whatever. So I, every time I drink out of this water bottle, which we filled with tap water, I am drinking recycled, you know, a, a dinosaur drank this once and peed it, or it may have been in a, a part of the ocean at one point, but eventually this stuff is just all recycled and used again, and we never have any more of it or any less of it. And the one thing they didn't touch on is, well, if we could break the bonds of space and get to places where there was, where there was water, that would be the saving grace for this planet. But my point is, if it takes you 40 years to get there and 40 to get back, so a kid was born on the day of the, the day they flew out, and now he's 80 by the time you get home, uh, which will put it in perspective, then 
How do we get this stuff back? How is that even sustainable? Is this a crazy of enough prediction that we can also add crazy other things like we've perfected warp drive and we can have giant tankers bring it back? Like, where do you, how do you see the logistics of that happening? Uh, I think I'd have to bust out my Apple emulator and load up uh, Oregon Trail because it's kind of like the same thing. <laughs> you mean we all really? die of dysentery? Right, yeah, or, you know, space dysentery, right. I guess, is what it would be called now. <laughs> space and Terry. But yeah, I do recommend I, honestly, people check I out mean, that interview because it was really cool. They talked about uh, how Las Vegas, everyone thinks Las Vegas is a big water drain, like it's the worst because it's out in the middle of the desert. They have, you know, all these unnatural water sources that have to be fed water from, from Lake Mead and all this sort of thing. And talked about how they, in the last 10 years, have figured out a way to recycle everything and they use less water than most other cities in the states or you know in america it was crazy stuff about that anyway just not really a plug but i can't remember the exact name of the books so this isn't helping anybody but it was really interesting how they case studied vegas and how vegas does it now and is able to sustain themselves on essentially the same amount of water every year like it's the same not just the same amount it's the same water that the, the entire city and you know much of the state just sort of survives on which is kind of interesting yeah, I mean, yeah. But that that is a really interesting story, and and there, I'm sure there are going to be people in the audience poking holes like, well, we do lose some water in, out of the atmosphere, and, and and it's not exactly always the same water. Some water is split between the hydrogen and the oxygen atoms, but the point is, most of the water, the the statistical bulk of the water, is still just water, and yeah. it you know it, it it takes on properties and or not properties but it, you know it it takes on solubles and it loses them and it evaporates and it rains back down and it goes in the ground and it comes back up and we we drink it and dinosaurs piss it <laughs> yes <laughs> yes they do and then you drink it again tom yep later on important part. <laughs> not mm -hmm. right afterwards though no yeah uh the earth is just one big charcoal filter essentially basically <laughs> it's a huge brita <laughs> all right i think it's time for four questions oh my gosh four questions well you know what that means it means it's time for us to, for us to ask you guys four questions you are not allowed to think about it too hard you have to answer from the gut answer as immediately as you can i'm gonna ask my questions of and i already forgot who i'm doing here uh oh i'm asking dale dale are you sitting comfortably i am sir all right here we go uh question number one what is the condiment of the future other than future ketchup, obviously? Cinnamon. Oh, the spice. <laughs> the spice must flow. Uh, excellent. Clothing of the future, running man style, one-piece jumpsuit, or something else? Um, 60s style suits. <laughs> Leisure one suits. Piece. <laughs> yeah, beaker suits, perfect. Love it. Um, all right. If Tom finally gets his way and we are all one day made of cheese, what make <laughs> of cheese do you hope you become? Gouda. <laughs> and you're good at this. He's Gouda. Gouda sounds good no, right now. Don't pass that <laughs> off. You can't. Gouda's so good. Uh, and then finally, what is the next big thing in popular music? Dual core. No, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> Shout out! <laughs> um, uh, what is the next big? You know, I think I think the Chinese pop stars are due for due for something. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. C pop, right? Yeah, is that what yeah. we're gonna call it? I'm like, all right. 
Love it. Nice job. You pass. Congratulations. All right. Very good. In 80, are you sitting comfortably? Uh, yes. Does that count as the first question? No. <laughs> oh. Then we'll begin. Question number one. Forget Pandora. When will we get streaming music selected based on what our neurons actually crave right at this instant? When Dale Chase's uh, invention comes out. Yeah, it seems to flow right into that very nicely. Question number two. What's the next form of music that will revolutionize the scene the way jazz, rock, and hip-hop have? Uh, Post-hardcore Swedish metal polka. Ew. Post-hardcore <laughs> He had me tell the P Swedish word. That <laughs> was good right oh, up to the end. Oh, you mean Pushimp? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Pashum scene. I'm you a know big it. fan of the Pashum scene. Not too many other people are. Um, really at all, other than the two of us. Question number three. Robot rappers, fear or embrace them, and why? Uh, embrace, because I'll be reverse engineering their firmware and flashing them with dual-core firmware. Ah, so it's a, it's a secret <laughs> embrace. You're reaching yes. around into the back at the, while they, they think you're just giving them a little hug. Mm. Uh, question number four. When the aliens arrive, how should we greet them? Uh, give them a Dale Chase beat CD. They'll love it. Oh. Look at you guys pimping each other. I love this. Making friends. He's the man. <laughs> no, you're the man. No, you're the, the, man. Next to the man. No, you're the man. <laughs> All right, that's excellent. Thank you so much. And uh, sadly, that brings us to the end of the show. I always feel this letdown after four questions when when we're out of questions and topics. I say, I say, we need more musicians. These guys, you guys were awesome. Uh, thank you guys both so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having thank us. You. This was yeah, this is a great fun hanging out with you guys. Dale Chase, uh, let folks know where they can find your beats and and what you're doing on the web and and all that good stuff. Um, you can find me at dalechase.com, Dale O. Chase on Twitter, and uh, at scrubclub.com, with, along with uh, a, a great collective of nerdcore MCs there. Um, and uh, look for an EP uh, featuring beats from me and raps by uh, Eugene Warrock coming out in uh, the, at the end of May, I believe. Excellent. I'll, I will keep my eye on that, definitely. Uh, and in 80, uh, let folks know a little bit more about what's going on with Dual Core and where they can find you online. Uh, we are finishing out our Q1 tour with shows in Cleveland and Chicago this weekend. We are Dual Core Music on Twitter. Our website's dualcoremusic.com. If you Google Dual Core, we are number two in the search results. Uh, we are right above the shopping in the news and right below Wikipedia. Multicore processors are beating you out. You'll take them, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got the programming. Yeah. Definitely. We got the microcode. <laughs> And look for them on tour in a fourth dimension near you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, you guys. Uh, Scott, any other business before we wrap up here? Negative, sir. Just uh, happy to, to complete yet another show. Um, don't forget uh, to follow Tom and I on Twitter. Tom's at Ace Detect, and I'm at Extra Life. There's good things happening there all day and every day. Don't forget to leave comments at our website, forecastpodcast.com, or send us an email, forecastpodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you in the future. Bye. Uh -huh. Tell me thirty-two years. Wait, 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 w